Welcome back, everyone. Hope you all had a good Super Bowl. We are getting down to business now with the NBA trade deadline. And the episode coming out Monday night is going to deal with all the latest rumors. We'll talk about some of Monday night's games. Also, we'll have to discuss some of the controversial All-Star selection. But as promised here, sorry for the slight delay. Had some travel issues last night. But we encouraged our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue, to submit some fake trades for us to talk about here. And we've got a great community there. A lot of fun discussions that happen. But we wanted to see maybe some out-of-the-box trades. This will just give us a chance to talk about our values, about some of the players around the league. So looking forward to getting started here. Danny, where would you like to begin? Well, there was one that I, I thought it was a concept that we didn't talk about in the mock deadline that I, I've been compelled by for a long time. For This is from Josh Bells, which is a, a trade centered around Chris Paul and Mike Conley. And the per, the reason why it's it's intriguing is is that it even though the players have had dramatically different years and and you know like both and Chris Paul has been so important to the Thunder's success it might kind of make some sense and the, so the the basic structure of it is actually pretty simple the guys make a lot of money Chris Paul's thirty eight five this year and Mike Conley thirty two five so they're within kind of within the range the Jazz are far enough away from the lecture tax that that kind of a structure would be pretty easy and from Oklahoma City's perspective I mean based on how they performed this year and and everything it could be a downgrade but Chris Paul's contract is longer and he is you know yeah maybe he's the next John Stockton but generally small point guards you know something that deal with with Mike Conley too small point guards don't age well so what I, basically why I wanted to start that was just you and I have never really talked about that as a construction how would you think about it from each team's perspective well there's a reason why Chris Paul hasn't been traded already and that is that 44 million dollar player option in the 21-22 season so let's go ahead and look forward at Utah's books that year they are slated to have as of now about 22 million in room but that includes cap holds for rudy gobert and donovan mitchell mitchell small cap hold of about 15 million gobert's cap hold is basically going to be the max but your problem with that year is that mitchell is going to get a big raise off of that 15 million up to the max that's he'll be making probably 30 million as well and this is a team that probably is not going to go well into the tax. Maybe if they really you know, are getting to the conference finals and they're really looking like a contender, that's a possibility. And so between Gobert, Mitchell, and Paul, you're going to have over $100 million that year committed to three players. Now you could try to find a way to move off of Paul just to, in the last year of his contract or whatever, but still $44 million is a lot of money. If something happens to him injury-wise, if he's fallen off to where he's not even a starter level of player anymore, which could very easily happen. I think it's easy to forget now that just as recently as this summer, Mike Conley would have been viewed as by far the superior asset to Chris Paul because his contract ended a year earlier. He was healthier last year, probably played at, at as high or higher of a level than Paul when he was healthy last year. Paul has been much better this year, but remember, let's he's been healthy this year, which he has not been really in years past. So is that an upgrade for Utah for this year? Absolutely. Are they championship contenders with Chris Paul? I mean, that's really the question you have to ask yourself because they are really hurting themselves if, if they try to remake this team with pretty much everyone else on this team probably aging out, frankly. Bogdanovich as well isn't going to be the same guy. He probably won't be a star level of player two years from now. Joe Ingles, same thing. I mean, those guys, you know, might be good, might not be, uh, might be a little overpaid in that uh, 2021 offseason. 
So they need some flexibility to remake their team. You get Chris Paul, you can't. So my question to you as we think about this is, and then you got to throw in maybe some draft capital for the Thunder, maybe not. Are they doing it just to get off of that last year of Paul's salary? I mean, we could talk about that in a second, but just from the Utah perspective, we're talking about a straight up swap here. Are they championship contenders real true you know right up there with the lakers and the clippers if they get chris paul to you danny no i i think they're in that they're probably the top of the second tier and that is a not the worst place to be but considering there are two really talented teams in the west then the bucks are a monster in the east potentially also the uh the sixers depending on what happens with them just over the course of time and especially because i think those teams are so wing dumb or like you know forward size guy dominant and royce o'neill and they they're just some ways to handle that and i would say the jazz in many ways are better suited to tackling that type of team defensively than like the warriors where the gobert just provides less of an, a deterrent because the warriors don't care as much about that but i don't think i would have them in the top tier and a big reason why is is actually a similar reason to, to why i didn't last year which is do they have that player who can just in, in a close game you know let's say you're down four points with a minute to go that I would trust can get those two buckets and depend whatever defense the other team has. And Chris Paul, great player, can help create those buckets. And you don't have to do it in isolation, but I don't think that he moves it enough for them to do it. So I think he makes them a lot better and and like would be, I think he makes them a better regular season team next year if he can stay healthy. But I don't think he makes them a title contender in the same respect, like the, the, the elite level. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I, I think maybe you could, I don't think they'd be favored over the Lakers or Clippers, but you, you never no, Quinn Snyder is a great coach. I also would just be worried about disrupting the chemistry. Paul is not the same level of off-ball player to me as Conley. Like Conley can actually come off to some screens and shoot. Paul really, we've seen, needs the ball in a lot of ways to be effective. Now, if he had a Rudy Gobert to throw lobs to, I mean, that would look really good. Like he certainly could be very effective in Quinn Snyder's system. But I think you'd be kind of taking the ball out of donovan mitchell's hands maybe a little bit more than you'd like to taking out of bogdanovich's hands maybe a little bit more than you'd like to you'd worry about the best teams being able to switch a paul gobert pick and roll and and paul is an excellent shooter but he doesn't have that versatility of the jump shot i would say that conley does so it's not that much of an upgrade and then for okc I know the I mean the reason that they have Chris Paul right now to begin with is because they don't necessarily have big aspirations in the summer of 2021. It, it's not a huge cost for them to have that on their books right now. They've got a lot more rebuilding to do and they're going to make the playoffs this year. So why are you going to make yourself worse? For this year, you don't really get much in that summer of 21. I mean, maybe you would get cap space to take on some bad assets, but I think they're probably going to have that anyway. Uh, frankly, if you look at their books going forward, they've got 58 million in space, really nothing long-term committed at all, even with that 44 million of Chris Paul. So I'm of the belief here that there's no real reason for OKC to do it if you have to throw in assets and then that makes it less palatable for Utah they also don't have as many assets available because they traded some to get Conley in the first place so I ultimately think this is one that neither side would want to do although it I totally understand the thinking behind it I think it's a good suggestion but as I go through it I think it might be not something that would work for either side as just a straight up swap certainly now if Conley got hurt or something then maybe Utah could, could be motivated there but uh and you know making the playoffs this year for okc like i think that's important they who knows if they get denver in the first round they could maybe even beat denver maybe they get someone in the buyout market or something this year uh because they have plenty of playing time to offer 
on the wing so uh i think okc is really gonna have to get bowled over at this point for any of their main three guys gallinari adams uh, and paul so another concept that I, I thought was interesting and one we didn't do in the in the mock in the mock deadline was from jesse kerr portland sends Hassan whiteside mario hazonia and draft competition and a member of their young course so basically the idea this is more of a, again a concept trade to boston for gordon hayward and ennis canner and so for me, what the the Hayward to Portland idea, what basically to me what this trade does is it's really focusing on the the end game sort of idea for the Blazers because you you know when they get Nurkic back, you know though their front court will be really weak for the time being. You know as, as Nurkic is working his way back, he has practiced with the team, but he's not 100. percent Zach Collins is of course still hurt as well, but that does create a really compelling closing five. And then for Boston's perspective, and that's why I wouldn't. Do, that's why to me this is more of a quick one is because Boston it it gets off of Gordon Hayward's salary but paralleling sort of what I've talked about with the Wolves and Andrew Wiggins what are they going to do with that because they still have significant obligations they remember they gave Jalen Brown that lucrative extension and I don't think that it would you know that clear basically clearing off Gordon Hayward's salary it doesn't do enough for them in terms of flexibility and it makes them materially worse. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the biggest thing is that Hayward, it, there's still enough there with the upside he showed before this foot injury started bothering him that I would want to hold on to him. I mean, they would have big time trouble in their wing rotation. They, they don't have enough perimeter uh help here anyway even if you want to say that Hayward is not you know some big star they need him for this year then there's also the optics obviously of him choosing to sign there getting hurt then getting moved and they are facing a tax crunch for next year that is I think part of what Jesse was thinking about Hollinger and I talked about that last week by the way to listen to that we went did more trade prep for contenders including the Celtics and so right now I've got the Celtics well into the tax next year with all their commitments so this eliminates that but then your problem is you don't really have a way to replace right and i have the numbers there if you want if you want me to get so if they if they wiped hayward and canner off their books not counting draft compensation which i i I haven't factored in here yet with maybe the memphis pick you know we're seeing where that's going with their picks boston would have about 10 11 million in space and that's at the point where you might as well just stay over the cap you know re-sign wanamaker do all that kind of stuff and they could clear a little bit more by getting rid of daniel tice and all that but again and remember that boston doesn't have a clear path to getting significantly more space you know they could do something with like poirier or something like that but their higher end salaries if they got rid of Hayward Kemba Jalen Brown Marcus Smart Jason Tatum Tatum who on a rookie scale contract now with the reform making about 10 million next year um so they're not going to move any of those guys, I don't, I don't think. And th- so, and there also isn't a player with cap space that's really worth that kind of stuff. So it's I, I, why I want to talk about it is I, I like the concept. Also, that Portland team would be so damn fun, which so it's exciting. Like the Portland 2020 slash 21 team would be really, really engaging and like offensively. And then they get Nurk back and, and Collins. But from Boston's perspective, and remember, they're a damn good team right now. They don't need to get worse to clean up their books a little bit. And Whiteside, while he has a place in the NBA I don't think he, that's the other way that you can make this argument but to me he isn't the answer for the Celtics also and this is another thing Hollinger and I talked about Celtics are probably gonna have three first rounders already this year maybe into the future a Portland pick could really have some appeal but how little is it going to be protected and then you throw in the young court well you know who is it is it Simons is it Nasir Little I mean the, is it Zach Collins Zach Collins, I'm sure, would be someone that. Yeah, if it got if it was Collins, then this trade starts to get more interesting for the Celtics. But I probably yeah. still wouldn't do it because he's going to yeah. get paid soon enough too. 
Whiteside is a very poor fit for the way that Boston wants to play offensively. And so getting more draft picks for Boston, if they're this year, you know, I'm not sure that that has as much because they have a bunch of draft picks from last year. They have a bunch of draft picks this year. So no, I mean, I I think this is an interesting construct. Maybe Gordon Hayward getting moved could happen in the summer, but I think Boston is happy with where they're at. And this just makes them weaker this year, which, you know, I think they fancy themselves, uh, you know, at least a team that's going to get to the second round, maybe even the conference finals. You know, I think they probably internally see themselves as having as much chance to get into the East finals as anybody and especially you know i mean toronto has been on fire right now but you know i mean a a toronto boston series would be awesome we've been waiting for that for years now actually we haven't gotten it um okay quick break here and then uh we got a bunch of other ones to get into here too oh man these are so fun we're we're always like like oh yeah we got like so many submissions we're gonna roll through all these then you know we've done two trades 15 minutes in here Oh, uh, we got Let's, one. Uh, yeah. do, you have one do you have one? If you have one pick, go go for no, it. No, no, go ahead. Uh, from Andrew Chesley, a trade built around Brandon Ingram and Miles Turner. And this this is another one I want to do quickly, but I wanted to talk about it because the so Miles Turner would be great for the Pelicans, and I broadly support ways to get Miles Turner to the Pelicans. But Ingram, to me, while he has shown some real growth, the concept of what he has done so well for the Pelicans gets complicated when you put him on the Pacers with Oladipo and Malcolm Brogdon. He, Ingram. His shooting really does help, but he, he I, I still like him better with the ball in his hands than without. And I like Oladipo better with the ball in his hands than without. And Brogdon's a little bit closer, but that's two guys that overlap a little bit. And it's and and also Ingram is gonna get paid a shit ton more than than Miles Turner. And that's another factor here. I mean, you could say that Ingram is gonna be paid and it'll be properly paid or something like that, but and it'll be for longer and all that. But I I just I don't love the fit for the I don't love the fit for the Pacers even though they might have a replacement for Turner it seems like they do already on roster. Well, we probably value Turner more than a lot of teams and Ingram less, but still had Ingram as a, a higher ranked prospect on our prospect list than Miles Turner. True. And so and I think he's clearly the more valuable player when you consider that he's a wing and the value around the league, I think most people would have had Ingram even higher than we do and Turner even lower. So this isn't enough for the Pels if they really were going to move Ingram. You know, I, I do have some concerns about the fit between he and Zion, but I think it's been better now that Ingram is shooting. It. Now that Zion is back, though, it is very clear to me that Zion needs to still be the number one option there rather than Ingram. And then you wonder where Drew Holiday fits into all that. But um, getting their hands on Turner, I mean, it, when you just think about what Zion can do, like I wouldn't be totally against against this for the Pels just because there's so few players like a Turner or a Brooke Lopez who are really solid rim protectors and also can shoot the ball and that's what you really need around Zion he's a he's a great player but to really maximize him you need that type of fit because I you know, I don't think Zion is going to be that defensive force certainly not right away that a lot of people hope for and perhaps the Pacers could throw something back that looked really good perhaps there could be a third team involved that could get the Pacers something they wanted more than Ingram. Maybe some of these other Pacers guys could come back because your other here's your problem too. If you're the Pels, right? Who the hell is playing three for you now? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, like, and it's also like, it's you, also hard, so, so hard, hard to, find. to find exactly. Yeah. And so you create that, and Ingram is so much more viable in that from that perspective than he was before the season started. It's one of the more important parts of his development, especially in the offensive end. And the Turner is a rarity, but especially when 
and the vision next design is probably a lower usage center i think that it's more viable maybe and also turner's defense hasn't been nearly as good this year as last year and that's why i the other reason why i think this is very different so i talked about the fit stuff i should clarify from a value perspective obviously ingram is a better prospect than turner we both had him right tire i'm happy you made that clarification it was more the fit issue that i was a little bit wonked out by but but Turner, you know, like it, it's a, it, he's not like the perfect fit that just makes everything, makes everything make sense. Like that, you know, for that sort of a trade, I think you can go early on it. I don't think he's, as much as I like Turner as, as a player, I don't think that he's the perfect, perfect, perfect guy. So that's why I wouldn't go there. Gabriel Rivera, CP3 and Nerlens Noel to the Clippers. And again, I, we're not checking the math necessarily on all these, but they're, if anything looks totally out of whack, uh, I'll let you know. These look pretty close, uh, most of them. Patrick Beverly, Mo Harkless, Rodney Magruder, Jerome Robinson to OKC. So basically, Beverly and Magruder are contracts that go another couple of years, and Harkless and Robinson are expiring. This is some of the same issues of why does OKC do it as the Conley trade, where they just get worse and they don't really seem to get much. Uh, the Thunder do get under the tax. Uh, Gabriel talks about future salary relief. Again, I'm not sure how useful that is to the Thunder. And then you throw in two. You know, summer no, because nobody really needs more space for this summer, right? Uh, nobody's trying to dump money this summer. You know, that's what uh, OKC is really. If you're opening up space, so teams can dump money, and then summer 2021 well if paul is still playing well you could always just move him at that time maybe that's the thought of like oh well he's playing well now let's get off him now but again i just don't see why you would have uh, want to get off of him now to save money then when you know there's just not going to be that much other a lot of teams are going to have space they're going to be hoarding space so uh, i think if there is a time that that becomes important then maybe you could move paul um or you just eat it if he's not playing well by that point at the time that's not the end of the world that was the whole concept here they just they're so far away from getting their next long-term core together that it doesn't seem wise to move on from Paul at this point. I mean, well, there's, yeah, go ahead. From the Clippers perspective also, there's the challenge that I think, I think this, that Paul helps them, you know, like he brings a more stable presence from the guard positions, but I don't think that he, he makes them a significantly better contender. And then you also bring in a, a big potential for age and health related risk, which the Clippers shouldn't have because when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are your best players, getting somebody who could be either injured or worse a year or two from now when they're those players are deciding on their free agency if that's how you're using the matching salary then the the gabriel didn't use the clippers first round pick in this deal but i, I just think that you know if, if you're going all in for a move chris paul as good as he is is a strange fit for what the clippers already have because they don't need somebody to orchestrate things when Kawhi leonard's on the floor because Kawhi like is going to do a lot of that himself all right uh peter Camerlin. We could do this one pretty quickly. Philly gets D'Angelo Russell, Alec Burks, Golden State's first round pick in 2020, which will be almost certainly in the top six or so. Golden State gets Joel Embiid, Marcus Smart, other filler from Boston, and either the Memphis or Milwaukee first. And Boston gets Draymond Green. He does note that the roadblock here may be Philly's opinion of Russell. And I think your problem here is just that Embiid is way too valuable for Philly to do this. Uh, I mean, he's top 10 player in the NBA, and I just don't see D'Angelo Russell and Golden State's first rounder and what's considered a bad draft just isn't enough for him. So that's where I think this one breaks down. We can move on unless you have have anything else you wanted to add on this one. Uh, No, we can move on. Uh, Matt Becker said uh, Sadoransky to the Clippers for Rodney Magruder, Jerome Robinson, and a pick. 
I would like Sadoransky on the Clippers. His combination of on-ball and off-ball makes sense for them. That's part of why I actually brought up Sato to Miami in a, I, I think I tried a little bit for that in the mock deadline, but I also wrote wrote about that in a piece for The Athletic. And But the problem is for the Bulls, just why, unless that pick is a really good pick, Magruder is an okay fit, but I, I think Sadoransky is a better player on a reasonable contract. And Jerome Robinson is just another one of those mediocre rotation guys who's who has a locked-in salary because the, the Clippers picked up that option. So it, it, it doesn't, it, it's not totally impractical, but it, I just don't understand why Chicago would rather have Magruder than Sato, considering they could have had Magruder in the first place if they'd wanted. I guess match rights, maybe they couldn't have, but I think they probably, you know. Yeah, well, so the pick is what, the first rounder? The Clippers' first well, rounder? Well, I was thinking it was maybe Detroit's second or something like that. If it's their first, then I think for them, the margin there for Chicago is enough yeah. they might as well just do it. I and mean, Chicago is in a rough spot right now. They, they really, really are. are. I mean, they have all these injuries every year, and they can always point to that, but and it just seems like the ceiling on Levine and Markinen and Kobe White just isn't high enough. And now they're going to, you know, you're going to be picking around 10th every year now. I mean, they're sort of, they're almost moving into like where Detroit was in the early part of, of the 2010s, where they're kind of, you know, winning 30 games a year. Like, what? And maybe you could, maybe if everyone develops, you could bump up to be, you know, competing for the lower end of, of the Eastern Conference playoff bracket. I mean, I think you and me could probably compete for the lower end of the the playoff bracket as a, a point guard power forward duo at this point. But so maybe, and, and Sadoransky is a little bit older. Uh, my question here, though, is why do the Clippers want to do that either? I think they can find something that's going to help them more. Sadoransky is shooting it a little more this year, but he's not really much of an off the ball player. Like I think you want to put in his hands for pick and roll. Defensively, he's solid as a help guy on ball he's about average and so if you're the clippers i think you want to go another direction with your assets to find someone who's might play for you at the end of games which i don't think sataransky would all right i got another one here vincent lynn kevin love to portland san whiteside anthony simons and a 2023 first to cleveland i think we can take this quickly it's just way too much love is a negative value contract Woj said on his pod with bobby marks yesterday that cleveland is resigned that they're not going to find the deal that they want which means that they are not finding positive value because love doesn't have positive value and so i you could even argue that this makes portland worse this year because you know depending on how nurkic comes back but Whiteside is actually playing really well in this recent streak and then you throw in simon so i know they really value probably more than the rest of the league does and at 2023 first I, mean, I guess maybe Lotto protect it, but you know who knows where Portland with CJ and Dame getting a little older is going to be at that time. So no, I mean I think if you wanted to give up a fake first, if you were Portland, then yeah maybe. Also, I don't think this this would also cause uh, what's uh, Whiteside making this year? I think it would actually cause Portland to take on money for this year when they're trying to probably shed to see if they can get totally out of the tax. Yeah, Whiteside makes twenty seven and Love is at twenty. Okay, so so it is pretty close to salary neutral with Simons. I think they actually save a little bit but um but no it's still too much to give up uh what's what's your next one unless you got anything on that uh uh, the one from bushka and blitz it'll have a short clarification and then i'll get into it but so basically the idea is Dejounte murray for robert covington and so first of all as a point of clarification during this season that trade is basically impossible due to the poison pill provision which is Dejounte murray signed an extension which kicks in for next year and so the salary doesn't count the same for the trading team and the acquiring team and so it makes it functionally impossible because the Wolves don't have cap space. That said, this as a summer trade, when it would be legal once the league year turns over in July, 
I think it for the Spurs, it, it kind of clarifies the rotation. You know, that they then presumably Derek White gets a different role. They could go and then and they get a, a forward that could help create a defensive identity. Uh, so from that perspective, I like it though. Of course, it reduces their upside. Covington significantly older. DeJounte Murray can, will presumably play better. And then from Minnesota's perspective, it will be really hard to find a replacement for Robert Covington. And while they need a point guard, I don't love Murray's offensive game enough to say that he can be I, I, playing with Towns would help him a lot but i don't think you know for me that he's this like a good enough straw that stirs the drink to make everything else work maybe you could say that towns plus murray does it but like it, it but i like the concept of it because it it's it, it like there's a there's an argument for both teams yeah i do think murray with his driving ability would be a nice pick and roll partner with towns All right, i'm gonna get into character for this one from dave secord how about deandre ayton for luka Doncic? straight up i think the salaries match up see you in hell robert sarver <laughs> He seems like he might be a little uh, upset Phoenix fan there. And understandably. All right, here's a real one here. Paul Morata. CJ McCollum for Tobias Harris. So CJ, with the new extension, I, I think it's good sometimes to get perspective on how these deals work. So CJ, after this season, four years, $129.3 million. Tobias Harris, after this year, the same four years, $147 million. So that's about, so that's $20 million difference over four years, so about $5 million per year. Which is material, but not, you know, but, but for both of those teams that are pretty capped out, not massive. I think that, God, it's 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 interesting. I mean, so for from Portland's perspective, you get Tobias Harris. I think you know they need forwards. I I believe. Um, and Dame is doing such an amazing job of being the kind of the linchpin offensively that that they could get into that. Then you could also give the keys maybe to Simons or somebody else when Dame's off the floor. You know, then they've done that at, at plenty of moments in the past. <sighs> So, but from Philly's perspective, they get a little bit cheaper. CJ has been disappointing for me over the last couple of years, but getting another guy who can create and initiate, I think would be a really worthwhile fit with MB. Absolutely. You would have a guy who can do some pick and roll, some ISO at the end of the game, create a mid-range jumper. They can handle him defensively. Josh Richardson and Ben Simmons can move up a peg. CJ, much more dangerous shooter than Harris as an off-ball guy someone you're not going to leave i mean harris is a good shooter but he's not cj mccollum cj is someone who has you know been a a high 30s three-point shooter for a long time he's just going to have way more gravity i suspect harris uh, being about a year younger and with more size and athleticism is going to age a little bit better than mccollum i mean mccollum though i think is a player who is more valuable in the playoffs with his shot creating ability whereas harris becomes less valuable in the playoffs I do think Harris's size, he's gotten better defensively this year. I think his size is important to what they're doing, whereas CJ does give them a place to, to get attacked. If you are Portland, yeah, so so I do like in the long term Harris's contract a little bit better. I mean, that Damon CJ pairing has been very good for Portland. Like, I, I really am not certain why they'd want to break this up. I mean, I think this is one where both teams would end up saying no. Maybe for Philly, I, I think Philly would be a little bit more motivated to do it ultimately. Well, and and than Tobi- Tobias would. Harris. I don't. I just don't think he's good enough to justify this kind of risk from Portland's perspective. He's a compl- He's a, a valuable complementary player, yeah. but it puts- they need defense on the wing, right? I right. Mean, and and Harris looks okay defensively now in Philly with all these other guys around him. But in Portland, I think he'd really get exposed. Yeah, I, I think it's from from Portland's perspective. It's it's a lot. You know, CJ, CJ fits in well. You know how that's going to work, and Harris yeah. doesn't. He yeah. might ultimately. Not- what are you accomplishing exactly? 
but if but with this if you're if you're portland other than maybe you know three years from now harris might age a little better than mccall so yeah i guess i guess that's where it really breaks down isn't it Okay, the next one is is we got a series of different ways of people proposing Carl Anthony Towns trades to the Pelicans. I think that people are interested in the idea of Towns playing with playing with Zion and I, lo- I I mean that that's definitely a like a, a worthwhile combination. I mean the, those the offensive potential for those two guys together is is amazing and it allows a team like the Pelicans to get less on the guard line and I mean potentially two guys who have MVP caliber talent but I mean so so then it becomes really what is the asset price and and New Orleans is one of the few teams that probably just has so many things in their war chest that they could make a deal happen but why I think it's just probably too premature there is because what is that is that Minnesota team looking like are they just basically just playing the waiting game for three years until all their other stuff wears bears out and does all that kind of stuff so I guess the, the two questions that I had for you is one do you think Towns and Zion is a combination worth you know making that sort of an offer and two like how crazy does that offer have to be for Minnesota to basically punt on being competitive in all likelihood unless they get like you know some players that can because I don't think that there's a way for them to turn that even as good as the Pelicans some of their talent is to be viable right now so I don't think that's that great of a combination I get the idea right Towns is the greatest shooting center ever and you've got Zion that he can space the floor floor but that's uh, too limiting for Towns he needs to be able to post up as well you could do that when Zion is off the floor but if you really go back and look in history what are the great teams built around a power forward and center as your two best players i mean we're seeing some of the limitations of that with ben simmons is kind of a power forward in the half court maybe even the center in the half court and he's playing with joel Embiid, or now joel Embiid and al horford are having some issues as well so i think while and then you're kind of muting towns's post-up ability with science like basically now zion has his own gravity as an alley-oop guy as a cutter you know i think they could work around that and then i have major concerns about that combination defensively so i i think that yeah Towns is an unbelievable player I mean you would have probably a great offense no matter who you put around those guys as long as you just had decent enough shooting but I don't know if you're creating a championship contender with those two guys I don't think the fit is quite good enough if you really are going to throw in that level of assets if it looks like the fit is not working with some of those guys and Zion then you know I think maybe you would try to find someone other than Towns man I realize superstars don't become available that often uh but I think the other thing is like the deals aren't going anywhere for the Pels. you know you just you've seen five games of Zion here basically and you've got guys at the other positions who can shoot it reasonably well and they want to see what they have a lot of in a lot of these guys so just hold off let's see how it goes this year and there's no need to rush to you know if you're a year from now two years from now ingram and zion doesn't look like that great of a fit which is possible to me again i worry about the defensive fit with those two guys as your three and your four those are important defensive positions maybe zion really blows up defensively and gets it sooner than expected or just overall has looked a little bit better than he looks a little bit better than he has or you think that he can play some center and Ingram can play some four in your closing lineup. But we just don't have enough information there at this point in time. So One, one other thing I yeah. wanted to mention is that I think one that people would point to is a team that had a great power forward and center close enough to modern era was Duncan and Robinson. But remember the difference defensive. And, you know, those guys were the were pillars of a great defense. And 
also that was in a completely different era and i i think that it would be you know th- there would be some great offensive potential but i don't i don't think that they would have enough on the other end and thinking about what you'd have to select for because you'd still want a lot of spacing and you want capable defense and yeah it's i i get why why it's so intriguing i think we had like four separate suggestions that got towns onto the pelicans yeah but it was that that that's kind of the idea yeah, I mean, I think you just uh, ultimately with two front court players who need that many touches, you, you're going to run into some diminishing marginal returns. Um, quickly here, Rob McIntyre, Clippers get either Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka. Raptors get Etwan Moore, Avicha Zubac, and pa- pa- Patrick Patterson. Pelicans get Mo Harkless and uh, Fiandu Kamengeli. Uh, not enough for the Raptors, in my opinion. Raptors are, look like they're on the way to the two seed right now, and... There's just no reason to make their team worse to get Avicha Zubac. Uh, Especially because just, he makes yeah. money beyond into 2021 and just isn't as yeah. good of a player. I mean, he could be, a, I think he's a value, he, he could be a start the game, not finish the game center for you at sure. $7 million, That's fine Yeah, it's for not that year. I mean, having a value contract, you can always move that value contract later, you would think. So I, I'm not worried about that aspect. It's just like why you... I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo gets injured, you might win the East. So, like, it seems like like doing that so you can get Zubac to to reduce it. Your, I mean, like Marcus Gasol is the guy who gives you the fighting chance against Philly. Um, yeah, it, Rob also had another CJ Tobias Harris one, um, which we talked about already. Uh, what else we got here? Let's do let's do a lightning round. Let's see if we can get like five more in here before we have to go. Henry Thayer, Covington, and Shabazz for Kuzma, Quinn Cook, and Demarcus Cousins. First of all, to me, the biggest thing here is that's not enough for Robert Covington. Kuzma is is far more valuable as an offensive player than defensive player but he does, doesn't fit particularly well next to Carl Anthony Towns and he's about to get properly paid so then the Wolves books get even worse uh Covington would be I mean I'm sure the Lakers would be happy to have him but and he's paid for multiple years so you get that benefit so yeah that's that to me to me it's the Wolves that say no in that circumstance Chris Batchelor, Lakers need another guard that can handle the ball. Hopefully, defend okay and be on a small contract. What about Kuzma for Dylan Brooks? I think Memphis has zero interest in that one. They've got Jaron Jackson plays a lot of power forward for them already. Uh, Brooks, to me, is really impressive defensively this year. And I think he's a little over his head from a shooting and scoring perspective lately. But I think he's uh, plays a more valuable position than Kuzma in mean, the way Brooks can shoot it, score a little bit, and also really defend. Uh, it has made him a more valuable player than Kuzma, although Kuzma is cross-control a little bit longer, which is something there. But it, the Grizz have plenty of money to pay Brooks. Also suggested Kuzma for Anthony Simons, and Simons just isn't ready. He doesn't help the Lakers as much as Kuzma does uh, this season. So I, I, I wouldn't be in favor uh, of either of those. By the way, have we like had one where we're like, yeah, that's a good idea? I guess we have, we're, well, we're was, really assholes about this. Aren't well, we? no, it's it's. I think it's a reminder, and some people said this in the comments about how hard it is to make viable trades. You know, yeah, like no, that that's true. I mean, I mean, and and this is you know, NBA teams always say, hey, like ninety-seven percent of calls don't lead anywhere. Well, and, you know, and also, are, we're we're going for the loftier right. ones. Like we got uh, Niku Ministry had one that was basically like the Derek Rose to the Sixers trade that we did in the mock trade deadline. So it's like you know that was it's reasonable. It's a trade I made yeah. as Philadelphia in the mock trade deadline. Well, well and. Uh, and I mean, also these like realistic trades like aren't fun to talk about, right? Like I, I, like, I I'm glad that all these submissions were ultimately saying no, because it's really it's fun to think about all this stuff. That's why that's why we well, were and, doing this and, episode, the, so. and some of them were bigger than the type of stuff we do in the mock deadline. So then that that gave us an opportunity. Like we have to be more practical on that because that's what it is. Um, so this one from Dan, I, I found I found notable. Aaron Baines and Tyler Johnson for Dion Waiters and Justice Winslow. And for Miami, the argument is you get off of basically wait, you use 
Justice Winslow to dump Dion Waiters' contract, and then Baines could be you know be a part of the rotation. He wouldn't be ahead of Bam or anything like that, but be a nice little depth piece. And I just don't think that Miami clearing that kind of space really does much for them. You know, if it if it was, I'm sure they'd love to save some money, but Winslow can help them whenever he's healthy. Hopefully that happens. I do like Winslow's fit in in Phoenix. That's part. I, I think that's you know that's why I like the concept the concept of this, but. From Miami's perspective, it's the if the benefit is just getting off of bad money, eh, it's fine. Yeah, you know, this is one of those ones where Miami it- I don't think they're that interested in 2020 cap space because they're trying to save it for 2021. That seems uh, very clear. If they're if they were interested in 2020 cap space, I think that would be something that they would be more interested. I, I think this is one where it doesn't necessarily work for either team. Uh, you know, Baines just can't stay healthy enough. I think to where he would really help Miami, he'd be an upgrade over Myers Leonard. I definitely think that's true uh, for this year, and and also could be someone that the Heat might look to resign. But he just can't stay on the court, which is a, a problem. And then for Phoenix, you're basically saying we. Could have 20 million in cap space this summer we prefer to have Dion waiters and justice winslow than that 20 million in cap space and i i don't think that that is correct i think they can do better than that with their 20 million in cap space because they're actually going to be one of these few teams that's trying for veteran free agents and might be one of the more desirable spots there you know like a danilo gallinari for example like who else can offer danilo gallinari 20 million dollars this year right and maybe they don't have to go too long of a contract for him but you know a two-year 40 million dollar deal for danilo gallinari that might i mean you could get good value you could i would much rather have gallo on that kind of a contract than uh waiters and winslow at this point winslow also another guy who can't stay on the court by the way and they've got bridges and Ubre already at his position um, but that is an interesting one. And again, I, I like these because it gets you really thinking about, okay, what is the long-term plan for Phoenix here? And, you know, I think the value of that cap space is greater than what they could get uh, in that deal. If Winslow had been playing well all year, uh, then maybe you're interested there. I mean, he's missed basically the whole year with these back problems. Who knows what the, the story is? I, I have this fear that it's going to end up in back surgery for him too. Um, okay, let's do two more. From from Randall, Spurs trade DeRozan and Forbes for Aaron Gordon and Al Farouk Aminu. I don't think DeRozan helps the Magic as, that much and... Gordon is significantly younger and can can help with their defense and everything like that. Uh, and, and from San Antonio's perspective, I, I mean, if this trade happened, I think they'd be making out like bandits. I am lower on DeRozan than damn near anybody, and I'm thrilled with that, how he's been an important part of their success for stretches of the season. But it, it, to me, like this is the type of deal where it's like, well, yeah, maybe it makes the magic better in some specific respect, but it doesn't make them better enough to justify the sacrifice. I think if DeRozan opted in, I might consider that more as the magic, but he's a tough fit with Isaac, with neither of them being great shooters. Now, Vucevic is shooting. He's also a tough fit with Markel Fultz. Yeah. Now you are getting, yeah. Oh yeah. That's another one too. You are getting off of Aminu's bad money, which helps you a little bit, right? So you could kind of think of it, you know, I mean, this is dangerous thinking, but they're not a team that's going to be, his contract only goes another year. So you could kind of think of your getting DeRozan for next year as like an $18 million player if you want to view Aminu as kind of dead, which especially considering his fit issues there, I might at that point. But so I, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I, think, think I like that. Aminu's future or li- I like his value a little bit more for them than you do. But it, it, assuming I mean, it's just going to, he's going to be 30 and he's a, an athletic player relying on athleticism. He's going to miss the whole year due to knee surgery. So I, I, I'm a little concerned there. Like the, those type of guys can fall off really fast. Um, all right, let's finish up with this one. Drew Holiday straight up for D'Angelo Russell from uh, Brian Klinger. 
I mean, I think the, I think the Warriors the Warriors would be he'd be a better fit. It'd be so weird considering Drew Holiday largely you know he guarded Kevin Durant when they played the Warriors in that series, and then he and Clay would get the tougher assignments there. Yeah, I mean, the, for me the the issue why I mean you and I are both again we're not the biggest D'Angelo Russell fans in the world is that. I don't think he's the answer for New Orleans on either end of the floor. Playing with Zion would definitely help Russell, just like the idea of him playing with Carl Anthony Towns. But they, I think they could get somebody who's better. They have, remember, the, the Pelicans have a ton of assets. So yeah, I, I just don't think, I don't think he's the guy to cash in Drew Holiday for if you're, the, if you're the Pels. Yeah, that's an interesting one. You're also... Lonzo and, Lonzo and D'Angelo becoming teammates on a second team. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he does have more shooting ability than Drew. You could make the argument i mean zach lowe is saying today that you know it seems like the bell of the ball is drew holiday and maybe there could end up being something there and you might say as the pels hey we got to get something for him is that better than expiring contracts what if uh golden state throws in some draft capital and now if you're golden state would you do russell and your first round pick this year for drew holiday especially if you find out that drew holiday might be interested in extending that's uh i mean that's that's tough to say too because you know that might be one that could happen around the draft maybe if golden state is just like no none of these guys are going to help us at all they're so far away we don't really like any of them or you know depending on where that pick is too if that pick is number six overall versus number one well, that's probably going to change but if the they're going to do russell in a pick for a player i don't think they would target a guard as much as drew has positional def- versatility defensively i mean you go for, uh, you go, go for a forward or a big well i mean if you just have Steph, drew clay draymond I mean, yeah, I mean, the question is, you know, for Drew, how well does he fit in Golden State system offensively? You know, his shooting has been, not been very reliable this year. That's a concern. Yeah, I don't know. That's, a, th- I think... I would very seriously consider that one for both teams, maybe. But but I think I probably like it better for the Warriors than the Pels at this point because Russell, he just kind of, he's, the Pels want to play really fast and Russell is just really slow. He Russellizes your offense. He's got to dribble. He's got to wait for the guy to get up there and set the screen. And he is, uh, he and Lonzo Ball, you know, Lonzo has really thrived having the ball in his hands more. He wants to push it. Russell's not going to like run the wing with Lonzo Ball. So, They also have Ingram, another guy who kind of wants to work his pick and roll slowly. And between Ingram and Zion, those are kind of the guys who need the ball for you in the long term. And so I think adding another ball dominant guy isn't necessarily what they need. I think they would want to, you know, go more the Miles Turner route again. Maybe you would want to try to uh, find someone like that. Uh, But, you know, there's not that many. There's Brooke Lopez and there's Miles Turner and there's you know who else who's like a outside shooting shot blocker i kind of wish they still had christian wood on this team huh not that he's like a great defender but he would be a nice fit with zion i think uh offensively yeah basically picking jaw over him as much as okafor you know he's had his moments that's uh, the, the upside play there for wasn't wasn't there that's right um okay i think we're done here we'll be back in probably less than 12 hours to talk about all the stuff we, we mentioned but we should mention the nba cast anyway yes sure. absolutely so and the aforementioned zion williamson will feature prominently we are doing bucks pelicans on tuesday night afternoon depending on what what part of the world you live in and uh that and then we'll also have of course our our regular we'll do we'll do a more you know another dunk dot podcast soon enough and we're also doing the uh the the cast we're doing a live show on the nba's twitch feed on thursday which will be a lot of fun yeah twitch.tv slash nba and that's going to be for philly and milwaukee so please check that out uh, any support you can give us 
watching that would be great because this is the the nba they're the ones who are the gatekeepers about us actually doing real games without a buried entry it's it's going to be similar format to the nba cast but uh it'll be on delay so people can probably sync up reasonably well and if you're streaming it and uh patreon as well don't forget to sign up there you can get in pretty much real time within about an hour or so is what we're trying to get done the new books for any trades that get announced so lots of awesome stuff here thanks to everyone who submitted questions and we'll talk to you all very shortly here till then